And what episode is it, Joe? 86, uh, 76. Episode 76. 77. All right. That's a good start. 77. Oh, my God. 77. 77. All right. All right. Leg 77. Let's start with that. <laughs> Good evening, episode. Good evening, and welcome to episode seventy-seven of the Racing Line podcast. Um, let's do something a little bit different tonight, boys. We've got Tristan on the line. Um, who, hey guys, how are we all? Thanks for having mate. me back on. <laughs> You're welcome. In a few minutes, he's going to lay the framework for tonight's podcast, and we're going to do something a little bit different. We had no racing this week um, in supercars or Formula One, so we're going to have a little bit of a debate based on some of the rhetoric that came out of the Racing Line podcast chat this week. Uh, and we're going to try to keep it somewhat formal in nature. Um, and the argument being put forward tonight is, is supercars the laughing stock of international motorsport, international racing? This is a huge, huge statement. And Tristan will be leading the attack. And then I, by default, for evenness's sake, we'll be backing him up. And <laughs> Joseph and Harry will be rebutting all the claims made by one Mr. Ellery tonight. So we'll start <laughs> with that. Tristan, I'm going to straight away give you the floor. You've got three Fair minutes, enough. mate. Lay the pipe work for your claim. There's a lot to sort of decipher in the supercars talk at the moment. Obviously, you've got a lot of parody and everything going on so i will admit i did make a statement where i said that supercars is the laughing stock of the world at the moment in motorsport um i think the camaro parody to the ford mustang parody is probably at the forefront of my mind uh what comes to my mind anyway when i think of what's going on with the supercars at the moment you know uh i do see a lot of positives guys like will brown and Brody kostecki you know obviously shane van gisbergen's up the front winning where they all belong um, you're starting to see guys like, um, you know, Todd, Todd Hazelwood show his craft in that Mustang. He's, I think, got repetitive top tens. You know, Chaz Mostert's doing an amazing um, job in that car. But for me, it's just, it's painful to watch some of these guys who I watch and have idolized and grown up with and whatever. And I, I know they're, you know, undeniable talent and watching them struggle, I guess, in mid-pack in a car that in my opinion, won't win races at all this year. Um, not unless something seriously changes in the category or um, in the parity between the Camaro and the Mustang. And then obviously we've got, you know, that side of it as well. It's not something that can be fixed overnight. <laughs> We're mm. talking about a, a massive balance of performance and, um, you know, weight distribution issue that unfortunately is just, you know, it's it's not something that, in my opinion, can be fixed um, in the next coming weeks or races. I think this is something that's going to carry on for the remainder of the season. I like it. I like it. And we're going to go straight from that into Joseph, who's going to um, plead. Where's he's gone? He's gone <laughs> to, he, he shan't be responding. I think uh, he's going to go get his notes. No. Pardon? <laughs> I'm back. He's back. All right, Joe. You're straight into it, mate. Straight into the defense. What do you what do you make of of Tristan's claims? Um, 
I'll tell you where I went. I went to get a drink because I was listening to Tristan talk. And I was like, I'm going to need a drink after what I speak because <laughs> I get that my a mouth lot. is going to be dry. Um, <laughs> where, I don't, I don't want to, I, d- I don't want it to like make it into a bigger deal than it is. But from what Tristan was saying last week on the chat, I didn't, I didn't take it personally, but I thought it was a, a massive um, oversimplification of the situation. Um like just before we start delving into the into the nitty gritty, I thought that the the spread of cars and the um, show that we've been given for the first couple rounds has been what I I thought was really good um, mm-hmm. in terms of car spread and car parity. I think in qualifying uh, the parity has been amazing. And then my other argument was um, with the Camaros. They they are they seem to be the the better cars of, you know, of the season are Camaros, but also the worst cars of the season are also Camaros. So you you do have a lot of those, you know, nine Fords sort of in between fourth and, you know, back end of the teens. Um, And I think a a better argument could be made that the Ford teams just aren't maximising their cars at the moment, whether this is... um, whether they have a, a better, they need to get a better grasp of the car itself. I think maybe Ford Performance should probably be trying to, you know, at least get all the teams up to speed rather than we start saying, oh, the Camaro is just so much better than the Ford. Because I think from what I've seen, it hasn't been really that, um, you know, that there hasn't been much between the two cars up until now. Interesting. Interesting. Um, well, I think one thing that, if I'm just going to piggyback off Tristan a little bit, that would make a little bit of sense is this. So Supercars has been talking about Gen 3 for the last five years. It was pushed back twice so that when it did come into effect, it would be a system that was working and effective and hopefully by then out of all the issues ironed out. Now, obviously, COVID affected the timeline of the rollout. An extra year was given to them. Uh, in regards to that, but even when you think about how late in the year teams started getting access to things like chassis and engines, etc., I mean, it was almost getting to the point where we're going to have to wait an extra year again um, for supercars to get their act together and and have this you know car kind of ready to go. And ideally, you know, there was relatively limited testing. Um, you know by the standards of any new car coming into a race series, you almost have at least nine months of, of testing that would take place before that. We're hearing three months before the, you know, teams are supposed to have access to the cars, changes to the um, design of, you know, of key components for, you know, ergonomic purposes, et cetera. So even within um, kind of such a professional series like supercars is, and we do think that it's a, you know, one of the greatest series in the world, um, there are there were things that were going on, you know, with the rollout of this particular formula that would make you say, you know what, the fact that the parity isn't perfect right now is probably a reflection of how, you know, late everything was happening. Um, and a few extra months of testing and aero work and all those kind of things probably would have put us with a much closer, um, an even closer, let's say, um, you know, series as opposed to what it is right now. So in relation to it being a professional series, you know, a lot of money from sponsors, et cetera, goes into this particular series, you know, maybe the the rollout of the new formula 
could have been a little bit better than it was, considering that it does boast to be the greatest touring car series in the world. Mm. What say you to that, Harry? Um, well, firstly, I, I think it's unrealistic to expect the cars to be perfectly on par with each other in the first three events. There's only been three events, right? Yeah. Mm. Um, I think computer testing or whatever can say one thing. Like, look at the Mercedes in Formula One. They're saying the side pod, the no side pod thing is showing better results than what they're getting on track. So, yeah, they might, on, on computer, it's saying it's on parity, but they can only test on track when wheels are turned in anger. Um, and I think the show that it's been putting on, regardless of the parity situation, I think the first few races have been awesome. But that was the point I was trying to make. Regardless of... Yeah, the point I was making was that with the series being as big as it is um, and kind of, you know, as professional as it should be, there should have been more on-track testing. That's what I mean. Like, you can... Yes, we can say, like, everything looks good in simulations and, you know, in the on the dyno and all those kind of things. I think... I think... Really, like if if you stop and ha- and think about it, we have seen, yeah, not in supercars in particular, but there have been many instances of cars arriving to championships totally undercooked. We've mm. seen Williams car, like Williams cars of a budget probably bigger than the, F- the supercars grid, grid altogether, um, not be able to run a car for half a te- half its testing time because it's still shipping parts in. Um, the, the problems that supercars had this year and over this new new formula is is very comparable with what NASCAR had last year as well of the bringing of their new car and and the budgets that they're looking at are, are astronomical as well. So, and then even like as as quickly as this year, as yeah, as recent as this year, we saw a new Porsche GT car come in, and uh, the balance on that car got totally nuked for a twenty four hour race on its first event. So. In the general, difference. I think, but, but I'm saying like cars not having perfect parity in their first event is nothing new. Like we've seen it many times. And I but think the thing is in a, in a series that is dependent on having, cause it's only got two manufacturers in a series that is dependent when you've got half the cars, a one manufacturer that are, that are somewhat hampered. Um, that is not ideal, particularly when like the, you know, 50% of your field Feels like they don't have they don't have what it what is needed to to maximize their results compared to the other half of the field. So in that regard, it's not like there's only a cut. There's you know three Porsches out of a field of thirty that yeah. are kind of struggling with that issue. It's half of the field feel like they're um, kind of not kind of they feel like they're hard done. By yeah, and, and set up right now. You know, like of course the drivers that aren't winning are going to complain that they need more power because they want to win. But in my opinion, that's not necessarily what the issue is. I mean, obviously I'd love to see guys like Cam Waters, Deep Pasquale, you know, Will Davidson and Chaz fighting for race wins and championships. Um, and, you know, and, and there's still every chance that they can get their season back on track. I mean, I think Chaz is still sitting second in the championship, but I think that's purely based on just consistency, you know, constantly finishing fourth or fifth, whereas, you know, other drivers had DNFs or finished outside of the top 10. His consistency has definitely helped him stay inside, you know, that top three position fighting for the championship. But 
what I will say is for the most part, the racing has been pretty close. It looks like these drivers, you know, do have to work a lot harder um, to drive these cars, which is what everyone wanted. Um, I I will touch on what you said, and when you were saying about the, you know, five years in, in the making this, this category, I guess is, I know COVID took three years of that out of, out of the way, but you know, I know that they did about a hundred different drivers across probably equally amount of, you know, different tarmacs, uh, different weather conditions, different driving styles, et cetera, et cetera. These cars were well tested before they hit the grid. You know, they, they should have highlighted the fact that they had some form of parity issue with either the design or the build of the car. Um, you know, all of these issues that we're finding now, obviously, like you said, when the wheels are turning and, and there's, you know, doors being banged on the on the racetrack, we're finding all these issues with these cars now, uh, which in my opinion should have been found six months ago, eight months ago, a year ago, before these cars even, you know, thought of making a race. So, you know, we go to Sydney Motorsport Park for the first test and and all of a sudden these four drivers just are scratching their heads going, well, I'm not going to win a race this year. We haven't even turned a lap on a professional race yet. We're just, we're still in testing. The biggest issue but, is you've got 60, you got 60 kilos over the engine bay. You can't move that weight, you know, that you can't go put 60 kilos over the rear wheels and, and say that's balanced performance because it's going to distribute the weight completely different to what the Ford will. It'll work the tire different. It'll, you know, there's just so many negatives about the balance of the performance. So, they, But they have put 60 kilos in the Camara engine bay. I didn't read that. I read they put it they, over the rear of the chassis. They have now put the the weight in the Camaro engine bay. Um, if that's true, then that's that's massive because that's. I think. Um, I, I, but the other thing as well, I, I with this whole engine thing is, is that the Ford Performance wanted to run. And ha- having said this, super like supercars put the stipulation out. They say, you bring what you want and we'll, and we'll make it work. Mm, so I it agree is, with that. It, they need to do that. It, yeah. Yeah. 100%. So, that, so it is, it's definitely on them 100%. to make it work. Cause that's, cause that's what they say. They say, you know, bring it and we'll make it work. And, and, and rightly so. But for me, I don't like, there are other things that this, this year has highlighted that I think are much mm. more important than, than say <laughs> how balanced the cars are. Cause I, I think, the balance will, by the end of the year, it'll be fine. But I think from where we're starting, it's been pretty fantastic. The things mm. I was more interested sure. and I think even more worried about was the fact that you had drivers who actually weren't able to say what they were thinking in post-race yeah. press conferences. Well, well say anything negative. Yeah, stuff well, there's like that, another another can of worms, you know. Well, that well, I think they're like that's a real problem. Whereas mm. um, a lot of the actual racing stuff I think is more used as a, what you were saying about the Ford drivers. I have no doubt that if you drop cam, drop Chaz, maybe even Anton into a triple eight car, they will be competing for a championship. But that was, that was the same in the previous like iteration of like two cars. That's the same as just about any form of motorsport. So yeah, but like, but, but then measuring say like, Chaz's consistency. Chaz will have to, like, even compared to last year or years gone by, consistency is key for him because realistically, the Walkinshaws, the Tickfords, 
and now even the Dick Johnson racing cars aren't as good as AAA mm. cars. Um, so, like, that argument I don't think really holds water because that's just been a consistent for the last 15 years in supercars. So, I guess my rebuttal to that is the category had, I guess, three different options on what to go in their future. Their first was to adopt like a stock car slash Trans Am style race car, so similar to NASCAR, where it's a one-make chassis and you put composite panels on that represent your brand. You all run the same mm. engine, you run on the same, you know, tire, same, pretty much same aero package, everything's the same. So that was one way to go about that. And we've seen TA TA2 to be very successful here in Australia. Uh, we've seen TA1 be incredibly successful over in America. We know guys like Matt Brabham are racing them um, and they're getting huge numbers. The thing that's good about TA1 and TA2 is that the premier teams have somewhere to sell their cars to the lesser categories. Like if, if for example, supercars were to go, you know, TA1, they could sell their TA1 cars to TA2, which would, I guess, be like Super 2. Um, so that's one benefit of that. The other pathway was to go like a full GT style of racing, um, which we have seen, you know, work really successfully in Europe. But for some reason in Australia, we just cannot get a GT category going unless it is the Bathurst 12 hour. We get, you know, all those international drivers. I think it's coming and, in. Yeah. Well, I think it, it's definitely getting bigger and bigger. And it's really cool to see some of these pro drivers step up and, mm. and make the category a bit more successful. The last couple but of the, GT rounds have been pretty good. Yeah. I have been watching a little bit and it's been pretty good. But the last, um, my last point was like a, you either adopt a full touring car style, like what supercars was based on, or like a production almost touring car. Um, where you do have open classes and you open that grid back up to 60 cars and you you really let the top, I guess, 20 cars go head to head for the win. win. Um, there's, there's three sort of pathways that supercars decided to go, uh, that they had the opportunity to go. And instead, they just went a complete different direction. And they made, you know, this racing category that has no resemblance to what we can sell on the roads and then no real resemblance to anything else out there in the world. There's no other real category similar. I, think about, um, I know, I know it does have, yeah, I know, sorry. I know it does have um, reminiscence of that of like NASCAR, but. But yeah. even, but even saying it doesn't have any resemblance of a road car, like formula one is, is popping off like nothing else and you'll never see a, anything that That's looks true. like a formula one car on That's the road. True. Very true. Um, yeah, I, think, I, think, I don't know. From my point of view, when it comes to the actual formula, the formula for me is very um, exciting, right? Mm. I mean, you see particularly the Mustang. Like, I think the Mustang, like, no, both of them look fantastic. Dude, they look awesome. I, I will say that. They look I, and sound yeah. awesome. I think this series is one or two manufacturers away yeah. from taking off. I, uh, I, I think, agree. I think that and I think BMW if, and Toyota and all that need a joint. Kia, like there's a whole bunch of them. I think what the, the thing that's going to make this formula a success is for them to get, like this, for example, this balance of performance issue right now, this parity issue needs to be resolved quickly because you'd have other yep. manufacturers as well looking at supercars saying, well, mm -hmm. if we were going to invest in this particular formula, if we were going to try to get involved in it, well, then we would want to make sure that, you know, our interests are protected as well. Like if there were, like, 
imagine a team bringing in a V6 engine. That that engine's going to have to be yeah, equally homo- as powerful, homologated yeah. as well. You don't want any disadvantages from that as well. So, you know, the the speed in which supercars resolve this issue and get all the teams kind of singing from the same hymn sheet and not bringing up these this disparity in between cars. Mm. I think the the more effective it's going to be for for supercars, but also yeah. um, the faster they'll be able to get. You know, hopefully more brands interested because it, it's definitely a like the way that they've structured this particular formula is reminiscent on of what they've done in England with the British touring cars. That's mm-hmm. uber successful right now. I think moving forward, if engines were to go V6, uh, and that's, you know, a very real possibility, then the formula itself is still very much in a position to cater for those kind of needs um, moving forward as well. So I'm not, I'm not so disappointed really in the point. formula. I think the formula is quite good. I think what they need to be able to do though is as quickly as possible rectify this issue so that any other teams that wanted to come in because the other thing is you've got other forms like we'll say gt3 gt3 has successfully mm-hmm. balanced cars that are v6 v8 v10 twin turbo bike. like they've got yep. all these different cars weights aero packages etc that they've successfully homologated um, into mm-hmm. a really effective series and if 100%. supercars can't even get two cars homologated um, with different you know, geometries and compositions, et cetera, um, mm. well, then that kind of, yeah, that would be, you know, a scenario where they um, where they would be the laughing stock maybe of racing around the world because that's quite a simple thing to, homo- to homologate by mm. the standards of other categories yeah. that have but, six, seven in, plus in cars. That, that's in, that ex- in that exact vein, cars don't rock up in GT perfectly homologated. No. They usually take about six months to get them into their window. Like I've never seen a car rock up and be maybe this new BMW is the first car I've seen rock up and be successful from the start in about 10 years. I think what you're saying about the GT is a good point for where mm. I was going to go. Um, so this or well, last week, the head of supercars, the head of super GT in Japan and the head of DTM have all met to discuss uh if there is a way forward for them to all share a baseline, uh, like to share a, a either like a, a new uh, sort of car of the future, yeah, a, a formula mm. between all three championships. And what point was raised for this discussion was speaking to all the OEMs around the world, we say we want to get all these categories, uh, all these other manufacturers into categories. What GT has really shown is when you can have a category that is – you know, worldwide companies are willing to invest or willing to build a car that can be then taken around rather than um, have like one specific championship for one specific country. Like you look at like Chevy's got a supercar here and they're going to have a NASCAR here. They're going to have a, a GT car racing here and they're going to have five or six cars. You even see that Mustang when they launched it with the six different cars all at once um, for the different categories big companies are just looking at going when we don't want to be developing this many cars. So if, if the mm. ideas of, of, of this VX supercar, you know, formula are then able to be shared or somewhat altered with these other two championships, I could then see a lot more, a, a few other manufacturers coming in because you have, um, you already have a, a company like Toyota who's building these 
cars in Super GT. And he's also a massive company here. You have, you know, BMW and Mercedes have a great following here also from Europe. So that idea of cross-pollination could be a real thing if they can all sort of, well, if they can find common ground. And that's mm. the big if. Um, so so would, would supercars be willing to then, after investing all this time and money into this current formula, to then make a change so that it's more, so that they could potentially go with like another Nate, like Japan or DTM? Well, Is that what that you're saying? I'm, I'm saying they so well, this, these Camaras and Mustangs are here at least for what they're saying five years. They're at least here five, five years. years. Yeah. And they've already said the Camaro is going to stop production in what, two years time, whatever it is. And they're going to have it for another couple of years after that on, on the grid. If I would say if there was a way for them to all sort of find a common ground, regardless of what they've done now, it would be in everyone's best interest to pick up that new formula. Mm. If you're going to bring in, a, if you're going to bring in the the extra manufacturers that everyone's been crying for, mm. and then so, the, the, the only question that you would have to ask is like, what do, like what would the fans really want? If the fan like if the fans if they do a poll again and they say and the fans say we don't want that, but I think by that that time fans will the whole Holden and Ford thing will be well over. Mm. Yeah. So with that, I, I don't necessarily think that like I th- I think the formula is been pretty good i think the idea of it's good let's make the racing let's make these cars harder to drive and the racing better um you know i think where it could potentially be more successful is adding more cars to the grid um but again so my point right now and i know i'm being pretty negative and i hate being negative but my point right now is if you're you're a car manufacturer around the world or you're a racing team looking at potentially putting the money up to get into supercars, you know, why would you want to? But, what, um, but, but why wouldn't you want to? Well, because you're in this position right now where you could pretty much guarantee that you will win races if you're in a certain brand. And that would mean that... Because well, that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. You can't necessarily win that you're in a Ford. You can't necessarily. Yeah, but you can't, you go can't like necessarily that. win. You can't necessarily win if you're Team 18, or if you're Dick, if you're Brad Jones Racing, mm. or even if you're Matt and Stone Racing. That's where I think that the stock car slash Trans Am style of of racing is is the best because, you know, I know it looks like on track that a Mustang's winning or a Camaro's winning, but they're all the same car. You know, they've just got different bolt-on panels. So for the average motor racing enthusiast, they they wouldn't know that these are one-mate cars. They would know that, you know, oh, they, they would support their badge and that's it. And and they'd be one-eyed fans like we've always had, like we have in NASCAR. Um, you know, like you say, with Formula One, it doesn't resemble necessarily what we see on the road, but you still see diehard fans support Ferrari. They haven't won a championship since 2007. You know, so you you'll still have your diehard Camaro Ford fans. You'll still have your diehard GM, you know, fans. But the difference is that you'll have a racing category that's designed so that the uh, the racer, the best racer on track, will win the race. So what about this? But, but I don't, I don't, I don't believe that anyone watches any racing thinking that the best racer is going to win the race if they're not in the best team. Mm-hmm. 
because the whole motorsport is still a, is still a team sport and 100 like, my, my my biggest thing I, I was been having this argument with Anth as well about formula one is mm. you also you you also have to be careful that you're not punishing teams who ex, like who who are exceptional Excel. you know like, yeah I, I I agree with that like, like I, it is a fine balance. I, I do agree with that. And that's like a lot of people say to me, like guys like Shane Van Gisberg and they only win because they're in the best car. Look, I'm not going to deny that. I'm not going to deny that, you know, if Shane was in maybe, uh, look, uh, BJR and Andre Heimgarner always punches above his weight. But let's just say if, you know, for argument's sake, SVG was in a, you know, um, BJR car, I, I don't think he would win every weekend. But then again, I've seen him drive and I know how talented he really is. And I think his talent would exceed expectations like it did with the Stone Brothers car. You know, he won races in that car and um, at a time when the Holden car was probably the best car to be in at the time as well. You know, so I would still think that the cream would rise to the crop if we were given a one one mate category where guys like Chaz and Shane were you know, able to showcase their talent rather than being in the best car, if that made sense. I still think you'd see that the same, the top five would still finish in the in the same order, you know, but we would have probably a lot more closing, uh, closer racing between the top three positions. And, you know, I, I will admit the racing from, well, third to 15th has been incredible. It's been amazing. You know, you've seen... um some really close and cool racing and some guys, you know, really muscling these cars around, which I think in that aspect of the the series, it's been successful. But for the aspect of, um, you know, racing at the front, I think we, we want to watch people win. You know, we don't, unfortunately, in motorsport really care or any, you know, competitive sport care who finishes in 10th place. So... Unfortunately, so it's two guys at the moment that are able to win races. So this is this is Great. the other part of to the equation, right? So we've said that for supercars to have increase its viability, to increase its global reach, to come and kind of build on hopefully some some conversations with Japan and Germany, right? You probably want new manufacturers to come into the sport which would show those nations that um, – which would show those other countries that, you know, it's a viable, you know, formula to enter, for mm. use of a better phrase. Um, so if you did want a new co- team to come in and they were going to bring a new manufacturer, manufacturer yep. what would the process be for them to do it? Because right now, even trying to get a team that has been somewhat affiliated with supercars for the better part of 10 years yeah. to have some kind of <laughs> licensing contract is a huge deal. So if you want to mm. – I don't know, Kia to start a, some kind of race team and they wanted to enter or BMW yep. to kind of establish their own factory team as opposed to, you know, affiliating with an existing team that's on the grid, getting, having, being open to expanding the grid so that you could bring in those new manufacturers if the need arose. Um, that would be a stepping stone based on the current squabbling that's going on, yeah. you know, within supercars land for, for racing contracts. Yeah, for sure. 
Yeah, it's a tough one. Like with the new manufacturers, it is, it's pretty hard because I know not too long ago, probably at least in this decade, we were talking about, um, I think Alfa Romeo joining maybe with Gary Rogers. Uh, I think Toyota were in talks of joining Kia, I think were as well. And obviously BMW were looking at joining with Walkinshaw. Um, but it didn't happen. And it was pretty, weird that it didn't happen because there was a lot of rumors that uh Walkinshaw weren't going to run a Ford or weren't going to run a Holden or Camaro sorry uh when the new cars came out and everybody just assumed that they were going to run BMWs because they were pretty closely linked to BMW uh and it just never happened um I think the reason for that is just commercial appeal you know and and for these big manufacturers to go and invest millions of dollars you know, of setting up factories and hiring personnel, they, you know, to get, I don't know, so few, I guess, in the in the global spectrum of, of viewers compared to what they might get out of, you know, global D- DTM or, sorry, it's not DTM anymore, like the GT cars or, um, you know, even, I guess, Formula One, the commercial appeal of that is so much higher. They're, they're going to sell more cars just by being mm. a part of those but- series. Do you mm. also think the fact, like in hindsight, the fact that when you look back at the teams who have joined supercars, you look at the, you know, you look at, um, you had Mercedes joined with Erebus, you had sure. Volvo joined with uh, Gary Rogers Motorsport, and you had Nissan joined with um, Kelly's. the Kelly brothers. Without throwing any shade or, you know, being negative, they were, none of those teams were ever really in the position Mm. to make one of those newcomers, uh, you know, like uh, competitive day in, day out. Gary Rogers had, had the best shot, and you would say out of those three teams, had the most experience and was the best run sure. team. But um, and, and, and you could tell that in results, like they got race wins and the racing up the front. But even still, like they never were able to have a like a, a, a star-studded uh, two-driver mm. lineup. Um, yeah, that's actually a pretty good point. Yeah. Do you think that the fact that none of those those new manufacturers were successful has hurt new manufacturers coming in again because there's no sort of blueprint of one coming in and, and winning actually, yeah. Yeah, and actually winning consistently? I like, mean, it I definitely that's probably could the have something thing. to do with it. Yeah, it could definitely have something to do with it. Um, you know, I just have could, a thought like... I know a little bit off topic, but I, I just like it would be pretty cool if you had. Let's just say they they stack with their twenty six cars in a grid, and you had eighteen. Oh, I'm bad at maths here. Come on now, um, Jesus Christ! Fourteen different manufacturers on the grid. Imagine that. Like each team has their own manufacturer. Wouldn't that be just the best thing ever? Well, but I know that was do something very similar. <laughs> yeah, like, exactly. Well, they're pretty British touring cars, aren't they? British yeah. yeah, yeah. British touring cars do something sort of like that. But like, yeah. for me, when 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 I like when I think about it, if say a Volvo had had joined with uh, Dick Johnson Racing with Penske money coming in, you <laughs> yeah, know, like that won't the, happen. The, they're flawed, the, but yeah, <laughs> you know, like the, the, the I know what you mean. In, in hypothetical yeah. land, you would expect that then. Like if one of those manufacturers had made a real fist of it and had instant success, that a blueprint yeah. would have been laid for other teams. I think that that has never really caught fire. So it's yeah, it, it's a it's a good point. It probably comes down to I guess the car manufacturer and what 
kind of car they make, you know, for that series, what they're trying to accomplish out of it. You know, I think the Volvo but, thing, it didn't quite work because I don't think a lot of people were lining up to buy, you know, Volvos, even though they did look pretty cool, but they weren't lining up to buy a Volvo when you could buy the Ford BA Falcon that was next to it. Um, I, think, I, I think it's more because the team, they just like even look at like Nissan of Kelly Brothers, they got mm. Kelly Brothers got probably their best years with the Ford after the Nissan, but also they yeah. probably got their best investment and brought in the best new talent into the into the actual manufacturing mm. side of the team after they fucked Nissan off. So I'm like, like you sort of, if you had yeah. sort of had that infrastructure and then brought in someone, yeah. it might have been a you know, different story. A different story. Because we did you see know. that those Nissan Ultimas were quite um, competitive in Super Two. I actually think they—I don't know—they're Super Three now. I think they are because of the new, the second-gen cars. But in, in Super so Two, Nissan Matt Ultimas won. Yeah, yeah, they with won forward with forward, Bryce forward, and, and then Matt Payne, and then um, yeah. well, Matt Payne didn't win the championship, did he? Declan Fraser did. Thomas Randall won the Nissan, didn't he? There was. Yeah, Thomas Randall as well. That's the other one. They won two but, Super but, 2. Might, might be three, but they won definitely two Super <laughs> 2 championships. But, he, but So he, it's like he, the car was pretty good. See, uh, herein, herein lies the rub. So the car was really good, and they all won again in the same team. Mm. So is it that there was one team in then that championship who was mm. able to, op, you know? So for me, for mm. me, it's always how comp- how competitive is it, but you also can't. You can, you have to take in, into consideration the you know that some teams are just better than others, just like in Aussie rules or rugby league. You know, hundred percent. Not not everyone's playing with this. You know, uh, when we watched State of Origin, there was years when it doesn't matter how hard New South Wales tried, you couldn't accommodate for Billy Slater and Cam Smith and Jonathan Thurston and uh, Justin Hodges, and the list goes on. You know, so. As a yes. Queenslander, I just got to say that was the best time. So, <laughs> no, I'm joking, <laughs> but I do know what you're saying. I, I do know what you're saying. Um, like, imagine if, imagine if in that time we said, "Hey, this this state of origin's getting a little bit um, uncompetitive. Yeah, yeah let's half. drop some players. Yeah, 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 just give us, give us half, give us half. I'm like that. Yeah, is a give and a take. From yeah, 100. percent And that's what you're going to get with every competitive sport. There's always going to be you know, a threshold, a, a middle ground where it's like, you know what, these guys are just too good. And that's, in my opinion, where Triple Eight are right now. I know I know Erebus are doing everything they can and I, I'm, I've got to take my hat off to Brody Kostecki and Will Brown because, I mean, especially that driver Brody um, against Shane, you know, we're talking about one of the highest rated drivers in the world. Um, Brody's putting his arms out and and, you know, pretty much beating him most of the times out this year actually i think i think he's beaten them three out of the five times they've gone head to head this i was actually most impressed when he when he lost the race but kept him behind him for those two laps yes yeah two laps Um, man two laps it wasn't it wasn't the whole race but no just the mongrel that he showed in that first race at wanneroo that was actually what gave me the greatest um, I I agree, man. I had it? I had Shane Van Gisbergen behind me at a six hour, and I went to myself in my own you know ego way. I'm not letting this bloody guy go. Mm. Um, last, <laughs> thanks, man. <laughs> uh, um, I think it lasted half a lap, 
Well, there you go. At least you got half yeah, five up. And I, I, got, I, got I kept him behind me all the way across the top and he was he was sticking his nose in everywhere. And I was just like, nah, he's not going to get me. I've got him. Nah, I'm, I'm, I've got him. I've got him. And he did this half fake move. So I sort of half covered him. And then on the exit, the second I put my foot down on the accelerator, I went, he's got me here. He's, and then bang, fires it out and passes me down down the straight, gets the slipstream and gets me. And I'm just like, yep, he set me up from that halfway across the mountain, you know, like yeah. he, he knew. So that's just the smarts that he has uh, behind the wheel. And and for Brody to be, you know, pretty much neck and neck with him, well, Brody's leading championship. He's the man to beat at the moment. So, you know. What, what, who, who, what drivers have you been pleasantly surprised with this year? I would say like there's Brody. I think definitely Payne Will Brown things. Will Brown, but like Will Brown, I'm I'm not really surprised with anymore. Yeah, like that's true. Of, I've always been impressed with Will and Brody, and um, uh, I actually think Todd Hazelwood's one of my gun performers at the moment. Um, I think he's been qualifying like top. He has been he's been qualifying. I think he's really like well. top six or something every just about every race. Golding Todd Hazelwood's definitely my driver. Dude, of the got, so far. Golding's always my most underrated driver. I think Jimmy he Golding's. is insanely talented mate if he could he for whatever reason he couldn't qualify mm. at Wanneroo but he was just he's been just making up positions all year like he's been phenomenal like for you to his, a better phrase phenomenal he's driving like he's got something to prove because I guess in a sense he does but yeah, he Dude, it, it just suits his driving style, just being so aggressive behind the wheel. Um, I've been very impressed with him, I, I will admit. He's he's probably in my top 10 for, you know, drivers in Australia at the moment. What have, you thought of, what have you thought of Mark Winterbottom's year this year? Because me and Effort were talking about this last week, or well, last time we discussed it. What do you guys think about it? <laughs> I'd be interested. I was... I was on the I'm I was on the I'm on the impression. Uh, I've been on this impression for a couple of years. I think he must bring Team 18 the sponsorship money, mm. but I haven't seen him bring anything. If if that's what he's bringing, I haven't seen anything else. Yeah. For and oh. and, and, and he's but he's my caveat as well. Like I've seen, yeah. I've seen, I've seen glimpses of Scott Pye. He's had a lot of and and he's had a lot of of those. What are they? Fuel line problems or. Uh, mate, power Team steering 18, Fucking power steering every second race. It's like literally bingo. It just happens. Look, man, I, I, just, I, I think, I think the same about guys like Winterbottom and you know um, Courtney and I guess even Wincup and Lounsey. You know they've been there for so long that I guess to some extent they they still deserve their drive on the grid. You know, because they are still somewhat competitive. Um, you know, I'm not saying that I think maybe they should potentially look at maybe moving on, but if they're still able to be be competitive and compete, I I'd do it. You know, that's my that's that's my thing though. Is do you think he at like from this, well, from the last couple of years' results, he has been competitive? Um, yeah. Look, he's he he has been sneaking inside the top ten. A few times, I think he got a couple of podiums last year, if I'm not mistaken, maybe just yeah. missed out on think, podiums. But I think he's still got like top 10 pace, which is, in that in that field is pretty pretty good because the I top 10 is bloody good. He's as competitive as that car's going to be. Like, I don't Yeah, think that's probably the best way of putting that. Yeah. Because, yeah. I mean, yeah. we were talking about it a couple of weeks ago then. Then Courtney gets has got two podiums since. I mean, Davidson yeah. for the last 18 months has been 
Yeah, man. He's been better than Dee Pasquale. So. Well, Davidson was on a 12-month lease and he's still there. So that goes to show how talented he yeah, is. And I don't think he's he's looking at stepping aside anytime I'll soon. I'll be honest with you. If, if I'm if I'm triple eight and if I'm DJR right now, I'm um I'm a little bit worried because the old the old fella mm-hmm. is making the young bloke look ordinary. Dude, that's um, you can't beat experience, man. Not in this no. game. You can't be experienced. Doing a really good job, and I'm I'm really impressed with that. And he was probably the the one thing that I looked at and said, you know what? If there's someone who um who's making like even Courtney, to be frank, Courtney, dude, Courtney's still doing a great job, man. I like you know I'd love to see these young kids get in there and you know some of these younger kids jump through and get you know more more cars on the grid, whatever. But like I said, you can't beat experience, and these old boys are, are still showing these you know, young cast how to do it. So mm. like I said, I, I'm not saying that Winner Bottom, you know, has been lighting it up for me, but he still does think into the top ten, which I think for that car and, and obviously him and his career is still remarkable and, and a true testament to his talent. Same as when you know, uh Davidson and, and Courtney, they're they're still doing it. There was a guy that I just thought of that we actually haven't even mentioned. Um complete opposite ends of the conversation that we're having right now. Matt Payne. You no, know, nah, well, Matt Payne, oh. but Brock Feeney. Yeah. Dude, he's, he's, he's actually probably been, you know, my number one this year. I I, I can back that up too because with the Bathurst 12, uh, Triple Eight put a lot, of, a lot of their eggs into his basket. I think to try and put a little bit more pressure on him for this season yep. at Supercars. Yeah. And... um. Man, he's had some remarkable drives the last eight months. But that's only because the Camaro is so good. There's no four <laughs> drivers who can get in front of him. There you go. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, that's your argument. That's not Dude, my argument. Still, but he's still got to beat other Camaro drivers, man. So you know what? They might still be in the best car. They might be in the best team. But you still got to you still got to beat all the Camaro drivers. And there's some bloody good drivers in those cars. So. <laughs> He has definitely he's definitely stepped up from like that yeah. rookie status. That's for sure. Like there's no, there's no. When you watch him race now, there's no sort of giving up easy positions or looking timid. Um, I see a lot of win cup in him. I think he's been nurtured really well. Yeah, especially during this yeah. part of his career. I think they used well, last year sort of as a, you know, just like a blanket to make him feel a bit more comfortable in the in the class and. Who are his Who are his mentors? Win Cup, Leon, He's got Mark Dutton, um, one of the best supercars engineers. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, who's Who's the other one? Who's his actual head engineer? Oh, the new uh, Alistair. Is yeah, Alistair, um, is it McVeigh? No, McVeigh. Alistair yeah. McVeigh. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like oh. you got two of the two of the <laughs> brightest engineers in in the country. And he's got um, the benefit he's of looking a, at the goats, two of the goat starter, three of the goat starter. <laughs> and he's got he's got a red bull helmet that should give you one tenth as well. Yeah, I, I think so. I reckon if I had a red bull sticker <laughs> on mine, he's got no visor, so minus five tenths. Visor helmets, man, they irk uh, me like to no end. I've never run one, so I wouldn't sense. I wouldn't know. But I, I a lot of my mates run them, and they reckon they're the best thing ever. I just visorless. Someone, yeah. someone who was running Visorless has has upgraded to, has, no has upgraded from in supercars upgraded from Visorless to Visor this year. Oh really? I, I can't remember who it was. It's not Shane, um, is it? Well, no, um, it's not Shane. No, Shane's back with the Juso Jada has been driving 
visorless for the longest time, and he he went yeah. to a visor this week. I oh, saw did he? that. True. Yeah. Didn't so. know that. He's, he's dude. He's killing it at the moment. Yeah, he's been pretty good, mate. He's um. I didn't really think this time last year that he was uh you know worthy of a supercar seat, but I've definitely done a one eighty on that opinion because. Like after his six-hour efforts, after his efforts on the weekend in that Dude, GT, he, he, yeah, he he's having a I, really, really, really good run at the moment. Just hope like, he's so, given a so chance. He, he was actually so he was actually the the point I made last week about Mark Winter. I said mm. if you if you were to substitute Mark Winterbottom, bring in someone like Ojeda, let him sit in that car for a year, maybe average two or three spots worse a race, say on an average. Yeah. But then have the the time to sort of be nurtured and learn. There's a few you know, guys though, then, man, that I think a, that are pretty worthy of a seat. You, you can take your pick. Like I'm, I'm just using him as an example. I, I, I think if I were to pick the next three guys that I think should or deserve a supercar seat, I think Joseph Mawson is at the top of that list. Yeah. Um, I yeah. think. Look, man. I, oh, it's tough, but. Yeah, I definitely think Jaden's deserved it, and I think Zane Goddard deserves another another shot. Um, and then my probably runners up to that would be the two Kostecki boys. I think um, I think Jake and Kurt both deserve to be on the grid. Um, I know I probably get a lot of you know slack for that, but I think Kurt. I think Kurt Blake. I don't know about Jake. I think Jake, Kurt dude, Jake's Jake. I mean, yeah, look. He didn't have the best run in that tradie car, but then also neither did Declan Fraser. So I think out of the four cars in Tickford, that's by far the absolute worst. Uh, when yeah. you know when Jake was at uh, Matt Stone, he was a young kid. He was still you know a little bit immature. Um, he definitely, I saw a lot of progression towards his you know the end of his stint in the tradie car. Mm. Um, unfortunately, he just got in a lot of crashes, and I think. You know, they used yeah. his um, little altercation as a scapegoat to get rid of him. But, you know, I saw a lot of potential there. And for Kurt, I always thought he was very talented. Yeah, it was a shame. Kurt, it was a shame to see him on the sidelines. Has Kurt had a run in supercars, like a proper run? I know he was a, a I think he did wild cards, man. I'm no, not sure if he actually. Water, but that's it. I don't think he ever made a debut. No, I don't think so. I think he's only done walk and short wild yeah. cards. But yeah. that would be my five, I reckon, at the moment. And then obviously you've got some of these young kids coming through Super 2 who I think, you know, have some pretty big futures. I will say this, though, as well, with with the three Kostecki boys, as unfortunate as it is, even in Super 2s, though, by the time they all got out of it, the one that we've got left was the best back then. And sort of how that survival of the fittest works. Yeah, man. He's, will- he's, he's, making, a, he's making such a... Such a good run at it at the moment, and and, well, and I've be been pretty honest, lucky, man. I've been I've been in the passenger seat of a lot of drivers, and I think Shane's always probably the best, and then I reckon Brody and Chaz are like on par. So that's a, in my opinion, a true testament of of his talent. That he's very talented. He's I I didn't expect it. Like I didn't expect the step up this year. Like how how good it has been, but it is surprising me how I never thought, I always thought he'd play second fiddle to Will Brown. Mm. And I'm really like reevaluating that whole idea because I think how Will, like Will Brown, I think can be faster 
but I don't think I think when Will Brown's off, he's off worse than when how I just I just because Sticky's never really off. Like he always seems to be able to like if he stays on the track, he just manhandles a result. Mm. He's, he's um I think manhandles is a pretty good keyword there, man, because he well, definitely does. He, he grabs that wheel by the scruff of the neck and, and just throws it around. And he even did that in the what were we in? In the 86 or whatever it was around Norwell. You just, mm. man, threw this car around, but it was still so smooth. You're just thinking, like, how you're driving this car this hard, but like using pretty much no tire. Mm. You know, it just doesn't make sense. But it's that, it is that Shane Van Gisbergen style of driving. You know, I think he, I, I believe he went over to America and did like speedway stuff when he was younger. And yeah. I think that like car control sort of, background helped him with where he's at right now and it's, it's a similar sort of story to you know shane doing like drifting and rally and that uh when he was a kid um it's the same sort of spectacle you know you got the same sort of feel in the seat and that's why i think in particularly in these cars you're just able to see these guys true talent 100 mm. percent. Mm. i think we'll leave it there boys what a great chat hey, it's been awesome if no worries Harry Harry had to had to leave us because his internet is dog shit. Yeah, <laughs> that's all good. No, that's all right. I was looking forward to hearing what he has to say, but maybe we'll have to make up for it next time. <laughs> Let him speak. <laughs> yeah, for once, no. <laughs> no, nah, boys, that was great. Thanks so much for having me on. I know um, we spoke about a lot of uh, <laughs> some probably red flags across a lot of motorsport enthusiasts, but that was good. It's pretty cool. It's pretty cool to get it all off your chest. I reckon. Was it cathartic for you, mate? Yeah, always. always. <laughs> there you go. All right, Harry. Oh, sorry, Harry, Tristan, Joe, thanks so much for jumping on. Harry, thanks for being on early before your internet <laughs> cut out as well. So, everyone, again, thanks for your time. Thanks for listening. Hope you took something away from, from tonight's chat. Supercars is back, I think, next weekend at uh, Tasmania. Yes, sir, um, Tassie. So, hopefully there's Who's a bit more. Who's your pick? Before we go, who's your top three? Actually, this is a good chat. I've got a smoky. I got Winterbottom for a podium. Okay, he does go pretty good there. I think he's, he's got a he he's got a reputation. He goes very well there. Yeah. Um, I was going to say. So I'm gonna I was going to say. Yeah, if you go, give us your three. I'm going to oh. say, like point. It's a, it's a triple header. It's a three round, right? So it's. Yeah, I think they've got three on there. It's three little races. I'm going to say Feeney, Brody, Mostert. That's your top three points or your three winners? Top three Is that points. for the round? Yeah. Okay. Round points. Walk and I, think SVG's, well. I think SVG's going in the kitty litter at the hairpin. <laughs> one race. Gonna, oh, no. Cool. no Dude, now it's going to happen. You're going to jinx him. No I'll be way. happy, mate. I'm a, I'm a <laughs> Ford boy. Ford through and through. Ah, nice. Me too. So, so that's my, that's my, um, that's mine. What about you, Joe? Walk and short don't do very well at Tasmania, to be honest. Um, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't put, I haven't, I think Chaz has had a few decent results because it's he, Chaz, but I as a team, baby, remember, but yeah. As a he's going to do, 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 do a four tire strategy. Wait for it. That's going to be what does it. <laughs> I'm going to say on points, it's going to, it's going to be, I'm going to put the two triple eight boys in there and I'll put in Chaz. Okay. But um, I know. I would love to see the stats, but I don't. I don't, I don't think Triple Eight hasn't won there for a couple of years, at least. I think 
Tasmania could be a good track for the Mustangs because it doesn't, it's not as long. So you won't get the speed advantage on the straights like the Camaros are getting at the moment. I still don't think that'll change anything. I think he will still have Shane on top. I think Keen has to get a big haul of points to keep his championship, you know, alive. Shane, I think isn't he back? He's third, yeah. but he's about 120 points behind. So, man, that's that's change for him. I know that's he nothing. He won by 500 last year. I know, I know, <laughs> man, I know. But um, I've got Shane winning. Um, hmm, I'll probably go Brody Kostecki. And maybe Chaz or Will Davidson. Will Davidson, I like that. Yeah, I, I think he actually goes pretty good there. So he does. He does like be, look, look. Despite everything that I said about supercars before, it should be a really good weekend of racing because Tasmania always lights it up. Still agree. Have to agree with that one. All right, boys. I think we'll leave it there for tonight. Epic, awesome. Chat. Thanks Until so much. Time. Have a great night, guys. Thanks, Thanks for having me, boys. Share. Thank you, mate. Men.